Welcome to Unconventionally Speaking, the PSA podcast where we go behind the scenes to learn about the triumphs and tribulations that help shape the careers of our Unconvention 2022 learning gurus and experienced masters. Not only will you get a sneak peek into their session, you'll also gain valuable insight into the speaking business and tips on how to navigate the challenges and opportunities that lie ahead. Welcome back to another exciting episode of the Unconvention Podcast with your host here, Warwick Mary. Today, we have a man who has given so much to so many for so long that it's time that he has a little sleep. He's so exhausted from his 80-hour weeks and seven days a week. He is the master of Solar Buddy. It's Simon Doble. Hi, Simon. Hey, Warwick. How you doing? Thank you very much for having me. So happy to have you here. Now, just so the listeners know, Simon is so flat out all around the world. He's currently in Dallas, Texas. He sounds like he's from somewhere else, but he's actually coming to us live from Dallas, Texas, boy. So thank you for taking the time out of your day uh, to be here. So just so everyone knows who you are, give us your two to three minute verbal show reel. What do you speak on? What gets your audience excited? Okay, uh, so basically I talk on, on the work that we do with Solar Buddy, uh, the work I do with my organization Barefoot Citizens as social enterprises and the power of partnerships. Uh, that's ultimately how I built my organizations to, to thrive and, and survive during COVID and, and, and scale globally, internationally. And it's all about partnerships, bringing people together in, under one umbrella as a community to, to impact change and, and create impact around the world. And I predominantly talk around the power of partnerships. That's, that's the key thing I talk about. But I'm also regarded as an expert on energy poverty, which is what Solar Buddies focuses and in extreme energy poverty for children around the world. My UN background is testament to that. And uh, so I talk about energy poverty, sustainable development goals, but ultimately how we as, as a community of people and organizations and, and, and companies can come together in partnership to solve some of the world's biggest problems. So uh, I was talking to Simon before we, we came on and I said to him, so how, you know, what part, portion of your, your business or your time is spent speaking? And he's like, well, I spend you know, about 30% speaking and 30% with Solar Buddy and 30% with uh, doing good for charitable organizations, etc. And 10% with whatever the heck comes up and throws my way during his 80 hours a week that he works. So how long have you been doing this? How long have you been the speaker, Solar Buddy, charitable kind of combo meal deal? Uh, 10 years, just over 10 years now. So I uh, started in October 2011 on this particular journey. And I, I read an article in Time magazine that described energy poverty as the world's worst form of poverty. I was happily living in southeast Queensland in, in Australia. And I read this article and it, it completely changed my life. And, and from that day on to this very day here, work, I've been devoted to tackling that and, and raising awareness, creating solutions and building partnerships ultimately. Now, you mentioned before your background at the UN, which, you know, it's just nice to throw into a conversation. So what were you doing before 10 years ago? Were you doing work with the UN? What sort of stuff were you doing? No, I was um, I was quite the opposite. I, I studied economics in London, business and economics in London. And then when I landed in Australia, I found myself living in Noosa with my, my wife at the time and young children. And, and there wasn't a lot of a need for uh, somebody that studied economics or whatever, and and I suppose I was semi-entrepreneurial. So um, 
I found myself in, in property development and designing houses with a focus on environmental design and, and always had a deep interest in that and, and found myself building and designing and building houses for holiday makers, basically, that wanted to build holiday homes in Noosa. So, yeah, that's what I was doing. That was my life before this life, before EP, I guess, Energy Poverty, um, that came into my life. But, yeah, so, as soon as I read that article, that was it. That changed instantly and pivoted, as we say in COVID world. <laughs> but what about the UN? I'm not going to let this escape. So did you work for the UN? What were you doing for them? Yeah, so I... so. I read the article. I was happily designing and developing and, and what have you up on the Sunshine Coast. And, and then I read this article and, and I was in a bit of a dark period myself. I, I was going through a divorce and stuff. And, and this energy poverty issue really, really jumped out at me that it compounded me that, that I was in this metaphorical dark place, yet 1.4 billion people were in a, a real dark place. There, there was no, there was no getting out of it. That led me to actually, design a solution that solved uh, a particular form of energy poverty in refugee camps for the UN. And, and I did that on my own back. I, I purchased a humanitarian tent from a supplier and brought it over to Australia and I lived in it for a little while and then designed a solution. And then I didn't know what to do with that solution. I knew the UN looked after refugee camps. I'd never been to a refugee camp, but I had a solution that I felt the UN needed to see. So I jumped on a plane and uh, flew to Geneva and, and approached the headquarters of UNHCR with my invention and demanded to see the people that, that looked after tents. And uh, lo and behold, they, after a few strange looks and, and uh, a few comeback laters, mate, they let me in. They just thought I was an English guy that popped over the channel. But when I realized I, I'd come all the way from Australia, that was, that was actually the, the thing that got me in the building. And then that led to a you know, four or five year career working around and, and on different projects with the UN. I would have loved to have seen the looks on both their face and your face where you've got this ossified Brit rocking up going, I have a solar light solution, you know, that just would have been hilarious and hugely ballsy of you. So well done. Thank you. Um, when did the speaking element kick off? Obviously, you've, you've started doing this. Did the speaking opportunity start straight away or did someone say, oh, you've been doing some good stuff or how did the speaking element come about? That, that's exactly how it happened. I'd never identified as a public speaker. I was the best man at my brother's wedding when I was 16. And it was a fairly traumatic experience, to be perfectly honest with you. Anybody in the audience of that wedding will, will testify to that I didn't do a very good job. I got very emotional. But during this whole UN stage and, you know, getting up in front of people to raise money and, and present your ideas and innovations and going into war zones gives you confidence and, and an ability to articulate yourself and get yourself out of scrapes and stuff. And then when I launched Solar Buddy, I was talking to foundations and big companies that wanted to work with us and, and an amazing lady at Flight Center identified me as is a potential person that, that would be great on stage to tell my story and, and motivate and inspire more people to, to be part of the solar body journey. And that's how it started. And, and I, I begrudgingly, in all honesty, I, I begrudgingly said yes. I was like, I, I don't think I can do it. And they were like, yes, you can. And my first keynote or, or presentation, shall we say, was in, uh, was in Muscat in Oman. And there were some very influential people in the events industry in that, in that room. And, and by all accounts, I did a fairly good job. And next thing you know, I'm flying around the world, walking out on stage, being introduced as a speaker. So, um, <laughs> so yeah, here we are. Not bad for some property developer based out of Noosa. Well, that's right. Yeah, that's right. <laughs> Everything changes. Everything happens for a reason. 
That's it. I think the uh, sentence in your your last uh, uh, commentary that'll stand out, and maybe even hit the highlight reels, uh, is uh, walking around refugee camps gives you confidence. And I'm like, okay, yep, that, that's that would do that to you. But was there ever a time? And you must have found this like first up designing Solar Buddy, then trying to get it to the UN, then trying to get the money to do it, then trying to actually get it out to the refugee camps and have the logistics. Was there ever a time you just went, this is just too hard? This is just too hard. Going back to Noosa, I'm going to sit on the beach and have a beer. And if there was that time, what kept you going? Um, I'll be honest with you, there wasn't a time. There was times where I was I was anxious for my, my safety and security and other people's safety and security around me. You know, I've, I've had guns put to my head. I've been in scrapes and, and difficulties around um, sub-Sahara where I probably shouldn't have been and... and you know, I was in northern Iraq when ISIS came through and bailed out of, of the region up there, and that was pretty scary. But ultimately, I've never got to a point where I, I wanted to walk away. This is a purpose. I, I'm driven. I'm, I'm extremely driven. I'm extremely focused. And through all the challenges and trials and tribulations that we face, none of it is of might that I would walk away from this challenge of ending extreme energy poverty. And I go back to my, you know, previous life. And, and when I read that article and, and got success when I flew to Geneva and presented this particular solution to the UN and stuff, that pulled me out of a very dark place. I'll be very honest with you. And, you know, there's no going back to that dark place. And, and this is about propelling me forward as it is solving a, a major global issue. And, and I think that's, that's something that's irresistible for myself and a lot of people as well. Yeah, yeah. Um, when you started down the speaking journey and you were, as as you say, you've never been referred to as a speaker before and here I am on stage, have you done anything to hone your actual speaking skills? I get your story is incredible. Just the, the little bit that I've learned so far is just amazing. But what have you done to help become a better practitioner of the art? Sure. I think the luck that's come my way from the speaking side of things is I've been thrust into sort of speaking around other speakers that are very skilled and that's given me a, a really good perspective of what's good what's not so good what works for them what might not work for them or, or for me and I've learned from from watching I guess I'm very authentic I get told I'm very authentic I'm not polished I, I don't want to be polished it's not my career to be a public speaker in, in all fairness as much as I'm a professional speaker I didn't set out to become a professional speaker. I just want to be as honest and humble and, and open and, and transparent and authentic as I possibly can and hope to bring people together to, to want to enact change on the back of that. So I've seen all around the world amazing speakers that are truly phenomenal with their craft and picked up little bits and bobs from them. Have I copied them? No. Would I copy them? Probably not. But I, I've taken little bits from them and added them to my own sort of abilities, I guess, to just get my message across as, as best as I can, but also be as real as I possibly can all the time. Yeah. With everything that you're doing, there's got to be some times where you're just a bit stuck in terms of, you know, well, ISIS come into the country where you're at, you get a gun put to your head. What sort of mindset or how do you get yourself unstuck? How do you stay on track with your purpose? Um, I get asked that a lot. And, you know, I get asked, why didn't I just turn the page and carry on my life? I get asked, you know, all these different questions quite often. And, and without sounding like a cliche, it's really hard to answer. It's 
I don't work to make a profit. I don't work to put build a property portfolio or, or a share portfolio. I work because my job is to help children uh, lift themselves out of poverty through education. That's why I exist and everything I do is, is devoted to that. So there's not a problem or, or a difficulty that I can face that is greater than that, it has a deeper pull and deeper emotional attachment to me than that. You know, whatever trials and tribulations we come across, in their emotional and personal and, and what have you, and, you know, you get lonely on the road sometimes, but ultimately I'm so committed to what I'm doing, I can taste it, I can smell it, and I live and breathe it every day, and that's irresistible to me, so... Yeah. These last two years have obviously been weird and wonderful for the speaking industry. For you, I suspect they've even had a bigger impact because you know, having something like the coronavirus into a refugee camp would just be a nightmare. So how has it impacted on all of your business, your three key businesses that you run? How's the last two years really affected that? What's different now? From a solar buddy perspective, we were fundraising a lot of money through through presentations and, and keynotes and, and what have you and activities and conferences. And, you know, that was all fantastic. And I'm very confident it will come back hopefully next year. But we grew incredibly fast globally in a very short period of time. In three very short years, we, we were in multiple countries operationally. And that that's sometimes you can trip over your own success. And we were getting on to that point. So the very last board meeting of 2019, we, we sat there and said, hey, you know, maybe we need to take a little bit of time out and gather our thoughts and gather our, our strategy and come back, you know, not stop, but just slow down a little bit and, and not say yes to every opportunity. And, and then lo and behold, COVID hit. You know, we didn't quite expect it to be as bad as what it is and, and obviously didn't want anyone to die or, or get sick. But it gave us an opportunity, I guess, you know, to take to take an opportunity out of a travesty is, you know, Maybe that's good or bad, I don't know, but but it gave us an opportunity to reassess, slow down, take check, and actually regroup on some of our strategies, and, and we've come back bigger, better, and brighter, and, and, and stronger at, on the back of it, which I think is a great testament to not only the model in, in our work, but the team, and a young team at that, to get through COVID and, and work really hard and be where we are now. So, Yeah, yeah. How big is Solar Buddy? How many have you got in your team? There's, there's about 20 of us at the moment, yeah. um, and we're, we've got free job adverts out as well at the moment in Australia, and then we're hiring um, in the US early part of next year. With the last two years, how did that impact you with your travel? As you say, you spend a lot of time on the road. You're currently in America. You've obviously got some family in the UK. I'm just guessing at that it may or not may not be the case. You've got kids here in Australia probably. So did you just... Hunker down in one country, or were you able to travel a little bit? What What did it mean for you to go from this global trotting citizen to oopsies, can't go anywhere? Uh, yeah, that's exactly what happened. I bunkered down in Brisbane, worked with my team. I woke up in the same bed for the first time for for eighteen months straight for the first time in my adult life, I think. So you know that that was quite a an emotional journey for myself. You know, I'd been very busy and sometimes running from my own traumas of you know not being around my children all the time and stuff and cer certain circumstances I've been in over my life. But that, so going through that and that was quite an interesting personal journey for me, but I was chewing it a bit to, to be able to get back out and do what we do. But Zoom is amazing. Riverside is amazing. Microsoft Teams, they've all been a lifesaver for all of us to be able to connect and, and communicate. And there's been a lot of keynotes over the last two years by Zoom and 
and I'm very grateful to have that opportunity to continue to develop and, and grow through that time. So. Your, from your first speech to now, it's probably been, I think you're indicating about six to eight years, whatever it is. How has your topic or your presentation changed? Because typically your, it sounds like a lot of your presenting is done as fundraising for Solar Buddy. And so has the content of your topic of your presentation changed? Absolutely. Yeah. hundred percent. Just to clarify, my first presentation for Solar Buddy was in 2017. So only four years coming up five years. Uh, actually on stage is, is a presentation. Um, and, and for the first two or three years, it was 100% talking about the Solar Buddy journey, you know, my journey towards Solar Buddy and then what Solar Buddy stands for and, and what we're trying to achieve. But over the last two and a half years, I'd say roughly, it's, it's morphed into a more strategic sort of keynote messaging around the power of partnerships in, in a wider sort of grasp of, of what we can do as a collective to to not just end energy poverty but but solve global eels as a whole really um and i've honed my craft to to be more confident and comfortable talking more in-depthly about my personal journey whilst also trying to be informative on on the subject matters that that i talk about yeah with um the work that you're doing obviously you're you're talking about this community etc how do you generate revenue beyond speaking? Do you have like, is there educational material or forums where people can come together, membership sites, that kind of stuff? What else do you do that's sort of non-speaking but in the speaking kind of realm? I don't personally do anything as far as podcasts or anything like that. I don't, I don't commercialize any other form of speaking. We do do, as Solar Buddy as an organization, as a global charity, we run seminars in schools, in corporations, in, in universities, and in, in lots of different things like that that generates fundraising and revenue for Solar Buddy as an organization. They're not generally always conducted by myself. There are other team members in Solar Buddy around the world that, that do that. But ultimately, my job, my day job is, is global CEO of Solar Buddy and, and, and to drive that vision forward and manage and inspire, hopefully, a, a group of amazing people that don't necessarily need inspiring. Um, <laughs> my other day job is, is obviously to walk out on stage and, and hopefully tell the story of Simon Doble and how I've ended up here and why Solar Buddy matters and why partnerships matter and how anybody in the audience and any organization around the world can just pivot their their thinking and their focus to help everybody you know achieve what we need to achieve to, to manage the problems yeah so what's next for Simon Doble and solar buddy uh, you've spent the last two years consolidating by the sounds of it really getting solar buddy where you want it to be so what's next what's the next steps that you're doing well, as, as you mentioned, Mark, I'm, I'm here in the U.S. Um, we got 501c3, which is charity registration in the U.S. at the end of 2019. And my intention mm -hmm. was to come over here and, you know, during 2020 and build a team here. Obviously, COVID affected that. You know, the, the Australian gave, government gave me permit to leave and work over here, representing Solar Buddy Australia. So I'm here to help the U.S. team grow and develop and have market penetration here so we can illuminate more children's lives around the world on, on the back of the U.S. economy, basically. Yeah, yeah. Fantastic. All right, let's talk about Unconvention 2022. What's your session about? What are we going to walk away with? Well, the, I, we've, we've touched on it throughout this little podcast. And, you know, ultimately, my, my job is to discuss the power of partnerships, the importance of partnerships, the sustainable development goals. There's 17 of them. Number 17 is partnerships for the goals. 
And as an organization and as an individual, I'm very passionate about the requirement of us to come together in partnerships to tackle all the rest of the other 16 sustainable development goals. We can't end poverty, we can't end water insecurity, we can't end climate change without coming together as a global group and global community and, and manage them together. So many charities, so many social enterprises, so many corporations and governments operate in silos. They don't communicate properly enough. They don't work together. They don't innovate together enough. And, um, you know, the, some of the organizations I work with, we work collectively far more impactful together than what we are individually. And, you know, Nelson Mandela very wisely described, you know, the power of the, the fingers in the fist. And, you know, the fist is far more uh, powerful than the fingers alone. So very much around that sort of methodology and thinking is, is what I talk about. And I'm very passionate about it. I have a lot of experience in it. I've grown an international organization on the back of partnerships. We have a very small team, but we punch way above our weight because of the power of partnerships. And, mm. and we're not scared to innovate with others. We're an open source organization and share our ideas and, and collaborate with amazing innovators and social entrepreneurs around the world that, that share our, our methodology and, and theories. And, and that's how we manage to do what we need to do. So hopefully pass that on and inspire others to, to follow. Fantastic. I'm looking forward to it. Hey, just well, we might as well just sneak it out there while we're talking. If people want to find out a little bit more about Solar Buddy, what's the, what's the website they can go to and just have a look? Solarbuddy.org, S-O-L-A-R-B-U-W-D-Y.org, O-R-G. Who, who would have thought it would be that easy, solarbuddy.org? All right, let's wrap this up with a rapid fire. We've got some quick questions for you. What's your favourite platform? Zoom, Teams, what, what is it? Zoom, all day long. <laughs> yeah. And it literally is all day long. Yeah. Uh, what's your favourite tech hack? Uh, I'm, I'm, I'm a paper and pen guy. I, I, I scribble and, and sketch and design all by paper and pen. So, um, but I take an enormous amount of photos. I, I photograph everything. Um, every, anything that I see that inspires me or, or screenshots and stuff. I, I use, I use photos a lot and, and then go back and file them and, and use them as inspiration and, and ideas and stuff. So that's probably, I think, I think I read a statistic recently that, I think something like 96% of all photos that have been taken in the world have been taken in the last five years or six years or something like that. Because we've, we've got a camera in our pocket all the time, and, and that to me is, you know, I, I use that a lot. So, yeah. um, and, and it wouldn't surprise me if uh, 94 of those percent of those photos were taken at restaurants because I've never been to a cafe without seeing someone taking a photo of their food. Yeah, hey, what's, what's your favourite productivity hack? Uh, again, I, I'm pretty basic on all this stuff, but I, I live on notes. I think I've got 164 pages of notes on my iPhone at the moment, which is all categorized in different ways and different thinking and ideas and stuff. So, so that's my, that's my go-to. Um, I, I, I live on my phone. I, I adore my phone. It gives me absolute freedom. My father was, you know, a businessman back in the day. And, you know, I remember being a young boy and he'd be chained to his desk, uh, you know, on the telephone with, with the cord, um, you know, and the freedom that it's given us is 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 phenomenal. So they they get a bad rap and fairly so on a lot of things, but but they also give us tremendous freedom, and, and I'm grateful. Yeah, yeah, for sure. And, and that's it. Like you know, you're currently in Dallas, Texas. If you hadn't told me, I wouldn't have known. You can run your business from anywhere. No one else cares or knows. Yeah. Uh, what's your favorite meal? Uh, well, I'm a pescatarian, and and I, I absolutely love vegetables. So so roast vegetables are you know being a 
being a Brit as well, um, got got to be a plate full of roast veggies as far as I'm concerned. So, <laughs> and some custody bread and butter pudding or something for dessert, yeah. or um, yeah, you know, something like that. I'm loving it. it. Uh, but while you're in while you're in Dallas, you've got to have some of their Tex-Mex food. Like their Tex-Mex food is just superb. Yeah. Um, What's your favourite holiday spot? As someone who's travelled to many places in the world where some of us have never been, what? Uh, where do you go when you know you just want to put your feet up and relax? Um, I thought long and hard about this answer, to be honest with you. And and I, I, you're right. I'm very very fortunate. I've been to I think the last count was like 96 or 97 countries. Um, and I do have a personal desire to to visit every country in the world, and, and I hope to do that one day. Um, so. It, in light of that, I, my relaxation comes from exploring and, 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 and learning and, and witnessing and, and, and absorbing new cultures. So anywhere new, as far as I'm concerned, is, is really exciting. And that's where I get motivated and, and, um, and you know, regenerated, I guess, re, re, reinvigorated. So, um, yeah. so anywhere new. But if you had to really pin me down for one location, I absolutely love Ethiopia. It's, it's, um, it's something truly magical about Ethiopia. Um, okay. The culture, the people, the the history—it's in—it's in a little bit of strife at the moment. There's, there's some issues in northern Ethiopia which is causing problems, but um, but ultimately, it's it's a very mystical, beautiful, um, joyful place to visit. Yeah, and I would say uh, misunderstood as well because people you say Ethiopia, people go oh famine, and um, there's a lot more to it than that. Yeah. Hey, uh, what's your what's your choice? Wine, beer, gin, vodka, or tequila? Uh, vodka, it is. It is vodka. Excellent. Yeah. Vodka. Um, <laughs> if you could have dinner with any three people in the world, who would they be? All right. I, I really like this. Um, Nelson Mandela would be first. I, I'm, I'm assuming we can pick anybody alive or, or, or there. Yeah, but, yeah, go for it. Yeah. There's no Nelson, rules here. Nelson Mandela is an absolute hero of mine. On, on our wall in our office in Australia, we have his quote, you know, education is the most powerful weapon you can use to change the world. We have a big mural of Nelson. So, um, and I've been to Robin Island and, you know, read all his books and stuff. So, um, I would love to have had the opportunity to meet. I've met people that have met him and apparently his aura was just unbelievable. So, um, I would love to have met him one day. Um, Ricky Gervais, uh, I think he's absolutely hilarious and, and his, and his views are, are very interesting. I'd love to have, have dinner with him and, and, uh, Stephen Fry. I'm not sure if you know who Stephen Fry is. Oh, yeah, yeah. Steve, uh, smart man. Very smart. Very smart, man. Yeah. I imagine having those three in a room would be incredible. Oh, hel- look, it would be hilarious, and there would be some incredibly deep conversations. Like, Ricky Gervais is funny as hell. He'd roast you. He would roast the crap out of you. Yeah. But he's so funny, and he is a very deep thinker as well. Uh, but Stephen Fry is just an amazing guy. A great author. I don't know if you've read any of his books, just his novels, yeah. but they're great. Yeah, yeah, hilarious. Yeah. And, he's, and he's got some children's books out now as well, which are doing really well. Oh, so, has he? Yeah, I, I just, I just think he, his mind is incredible and fascinating. And, and I would yeah, love yeah, to yeah. ask him three or four questions and then let him go uh, and yeah. completely mesmerize me. So, um. <laughs> well, that, uh, talking about books, that leads into the final question: What's your favorite book or podcast? Well, being, again, being a Brit, I'm a, I'm a crazy football fan, so Chelsea's my team. I just get that in there, but. <laughs> I think Sir Alex Ferguson was a phenomenal leader, manager, and an inspiring man. And I read his book, uh, Leading, uh, a few years ago, uh, which was co-ghosted by Harvard Business School. That, to me, is 
is a really truly inspiring book with humility and 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 simplicity, but also incredibly inspiring. And I took a lot out of that. And and um, I don't think you need to overcomplicate things too much. You know, very passionate man and, and very driven man, and and uh, very humble from his upbringing. So um, so that that's my favorite book. Uh, there, there's a quote. I will read it because it's important. This summarizes the book, and he says, "My job was to make everyone understand that the impossible was possible." That's the difference between leadership and management. And I, I think that's that really encompasses so many things around the difference between leadership and management. Yeah. And I think to credit to you, because obviously you've embraced that to go from an idea of how do we, you know, fix this energy poverty to now having solar buddies so far distributed around the planet is a credit to you. So Simon, thank you so much for your time today. I've really enjoyed having a chat with you, finding more about you and your place in the world. So thanks for being here. Thank you, Warwick. It's been awesome. Thank you very much. Absolute pleasure. You've been listening to another episode of the Unconvention Podcast. Look forward to seeing you in 2022. Thanks for joining us for this episode of Unconventionally Speaking. We have over 30 unspeakers of this caliber at Unconvention on the 25th and 26th of March. So grab your seat today. Just click the link included in the show notes. And if you enjoyed this episode, please share it with someone that you know who would also get value from this conversation. And follow or subscribe to the show to ensure that you never miss an episode. See you all at PSA Unconvention 2022. This episode is sponsored by Your Podcast Concierge, podcast production for speakers who want to increase their authority and generate leads from their show. You press record and let them do the rest. And to this, I can personally attest. 